we have been studying the book of Job on Sunday mornings, and it may surprise you, but one of the great passages in the Bible about the resurrection appears in Job chapter 19. So if you'll find the book of Job, it is before the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a great passage about the resurrection, and the focus this morning is really why the resurrection is important. And the resurrection is important because of the hope uh, that it gives us, the hope that it gives us. And it's amazing in Job's experience, he finds incredible hope in the truth of the resurrection, why it's important. It's important because through the resurrection, there is vindication of wrong, that death is part of what's wrong with the world. And in the resurrection, there's vindication over that horrible, horrible wrong. There's redemption of the body in the resurrection. Job chapter 19, we're going to begin in verse 25. It's so good to see you today. We're so glad you are here. As Michael said, if you have questions about what we do in teaching the Bible, or more importantly about the gospel, being a Christian, then being part of the church to grow in the faith as a Christian. Uh, please talk to us, call us. We want to try to help you live out the faith. That's what we're here for. Job chapter 19, uh, in the pit of distress, Job says in verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed... Yet in my flesh, I shall see God. Now take just a moment and think about how wrong Jesus was treated in the last week of his life. Think about just that last week of Jesus' life. He comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He is fulfilling scripture. And he is challenged immediately by the religious teachers. They challenge him on theological issues, which in Incidentally, is insane to challenge the Son of God biblically. They challenge him about paying taxes to Caesar. The Sadducees challenge him about the resurrection. And he meets challenge after challenge by pointing them to the Word of God and to his own glory. And then, in light of that, in light of him teaching the truth and presenting God as he is, they plot to kill him. That's their response. And then one of his own, who's been with him, Judas, betrays him. Think about the wrongs he endured and the difficulty Jesus faced in that last week of his life. And then in, in what is the most trying part of his life, when he's praying in the garden the night before the crucifixion, you find the Son of God in prayer, and he brings along with him his three closest friends and followers into the garden with him, and he's distressed to such a degree, he says it's unto death. He's so distressed, it's like dying. And what, if, what are his three friends doing in that distress? They're asleep. And then the armed guards arrive carrying torches and weapons. They take him into custody. And then they try him at night. Which, incidentally, try, a trial at night for the Jews was illegal. So the Jews are all all too ready to stand on their traditions when it suits them, as are so many tradition keepers. But they try him illegally, and then Peter, 
one of his closest friends, in the very presence of Jesus, in the sight of Jesus, denies him three times. Think about how wrong it was, all the wrongs and injustices that he suffered. Then he goes before Pilate, and Pilate essentially affirms his innocence. And then what happens? A convicted known murderer is released instead of the Son of God. And then the Pharisees stir up the crowd to sway the political governor to have him crucified. Then on the cross he's scorned. Wrong after wrong after wrong. But the greatest sufferer, the Lord Jesus Christ, was vindicated. He was vindicated because he was raised from the dead. That was his vindication. That was the proof, the infallible proof that he is the Son of God. Job is another sufferer. He goes through awful affliction, debilitating distress, and severe suffering. And yet, even in the midst of the, the sufferings Job faces, you find hope. You find hope. In fact, Job knows, in Job chapter 23, Job says, after he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. Job knows that there is future vindication coming. In chapter 19, we read about that future vindication, which is the resurrection. The Job affirms here, look at it, in Job 19.25, in the midst, in the pit of his darkness, I know that my Redeemer lives. So look at Look at what he says. He has hope in a redeemer. My redeemer. In the, in the, the dark days that he was ex experiencing, I know that my redeemer lives. Friends, there's hope in a redeemer. A redeemer, broadly de defined, is one who brings another out of distress. That's what a redeemer does. A redeemer brings another out of a distressing situation. And this is, a, this is a word you find all through the Old Testament. I was amazed this week to find how often the Old Testament refers to God as Redeemer. Let me just give you some examples. One of them is early on in the book of Exodus. Before this great work of God's salvation in the, in the Old Testament where God brings out his people out of Egypt, look at how God reveals himself. This is one of the first places where God reveals himself as a Redeemer. Exodus 6, 5, and 6. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And you find this imagery all through the Old Testament. God's people in distress, God is the one who's going to redeem them. God is going to bring them out. Job knows God as the one who is the Redeemer. And Job has hope in the fact that his Redeemer lives. You're probably familiar with the book of Ruth. This theme of Redeemer comes through in that book. Another book with a, a trial of bitter distress where Naomi goes to a foreign land and she lives there about 10 years. And in that foreign land, her husband and her two sons die. She's seemingly left all alone. One of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, clings to her and cares for her. Then they go back to Naomi's home in Judah, in Israel. And, and the people are surprised to see her. And, and she is so distressed, 
she says, call me bitter. In fact, she wants her name changed to bitterness because of what she has suffered. But in the, in the course of that story of Naomi's bitterness and distress, and essentially while Ruth and Naomi are literally scrounging for food, Boaz recognizes their plight. And Boaz redeems Ruth. He takes her under his wings, cares for her, marries her, accepts responsibility for her and for Naomi. He is a redeemer. And so in the first chapter of Ruth, you find Naomi very bitter. By the fourth chapter of Ruth, you find Naomi with a new baby on her lap because of God's kind providence through the work of a redeemer. There is hope in a Redeemer to bring God's people out of their distress. Job finds hope in that. Look what he says in verse 25. I know my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. At the last refers to a time in the future when the end comes. At the very end of all things. When all is said and done. When all the suffering in the world is, is, has been brought about. When it's all over, at the last, at the very end, there's going to be one standing. It's the one who's the living Redeemer, whom we know to be Jesus Christ, the Lord. But you see, Job has this future hope in a Redeemer. Incidentally, friends, remember, our hope is ultimately in the future in what God will do, part of which is the resurrection from the dead. Job's hope is in the future, even though he's in terrible distress in the present. And that's where our hope is always found. So as you deal with your troubles and your trials, and they are ever-present in life, we look to the future when our Redeemer will rule, when He will stand. In fact, Jesus says as much. In Luke 21, Jesus is so kind to His followers in preparing them for persecution, Jesus outlines what is going to happen, a few of the things that will happen in the future. How He will return. How He will make all the wrongs right. And look at what he says in Luke chapter 21, verse 28, about this future hope and redemption. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. This future hope of redemption where wrongs are righted. That's what Job has hope in. He has hope in redemption. Secondly, and specifically, Job has hope in resurrection. Isn't it amazing? A book this old, part of Job's faith, part of what he believes in is a future resurrection. And again, specifically, what is going to happen at that resurrection? That's when the vindication will ultimately take place. It doesn't happen in this life. This is why so many Christians suffer and die in this life. Friends, the vindication comes at the resurrection. Look at what Job says in Job 19, 26. And... After my skin has been thus destroyed. So notice this is after death. This resurrection he's talking about is after death. Look at it. After my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. So you see, Job recognizes a future after death resurrection where he will be physically in the presence of God. In my flesh, there's the physical aspect of the resurrection. And look at the, the, the ultimate moment here. I shall see God. 
That man has been separated from God because of our sins. God is holy, man is sinful. God has separated us because of that. We are separated from him. But yet through the resurrection we'll be reunited. So it's part of the good news of the resurrection. See, our bodies as they are now are not fit for God or for the presence of God or for eternal life. Our bodies now are corrupted. But this corruption will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortal. That's what Job's looking forward to here. It's all because of that Redeemer who will stand on the earth and it will result in, in our flesh, we will see God. There is hope in the resurrection. There's hope in the resurrection. Christians have always found hope in this. Again, the Bible is so honest about the struggles we face. 2 Corinthians, the most biographical letter in the New Testament, Paul describes his experience in ministry. You know, Paul's description of his experience in ministry is we were in such bitter distress. We We thought we were going to die. But 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about even though we're burdened here and now, he compares the body to a tent that will fold up one day when it dies, but we have an eternal home made by God in the heavens. There's hope in the resurrection. Friends, it's great hope as we face the struggles of life. This hope ultimately, we know, is in Jesus Christ. Because Job talks about my Redeemer, and a Redeemer, friends, we know the Redeemer is Jesus Christ. We know who he is. Praise God, we know more than Job knows, or more than he knew. We know that this Redeemer is Jesus Christ, and he will stand upon the earth. And it's only because of him and his resurrection that we will see God and be made right in the presence of God. That's where our hope ultimately is. It is in Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, just a bit of application for us Christians. Think about this just for a minute. The reality of distress in this world and despair in this world, but yet hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Friends, this is a message the world needs to hear. We as Christians have the most important and the greatest message to share with the world. People people are living in distress and despair and pain and then they die. And we have good news. That Jesus came and died but was raised again. And through him, there's eternal life to be had. Friends, we need to share this news with the world. This is the best news of all. Hope in Jesus Christ. In fact, listen to it in Romans 8. Listen to how Romans 8, again, describes the reality of this world, but then the glory of what we Christians know as our hope in the resurrection through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Did you you hear the song the choir sang? All creation, every nation. All creation. Look at verse 20 of Romans 8. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom 
of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, as so we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now listen to how honest this text is about the reality of the world. This is, this is the reality that people live in. Whether they recognize it or not, this is the reality of the world as it stands now. Listen to the way it's described. Sufferings of the present time. Eager longing. Subjected to futility. That's the reality of this world. It's, subject, it's subjected to futility. The creation itself is in bondage to decay. You don't think people are in bondage to decay? Well, go to a, go to a cemetery and behold bondage to decay. It is the reality of this world. The creation has been subjected to that. It's groaning in the pains of childbirth. That's the reality of the world in which we live. But listen also to the, to the incredible hope in this chapter. And friends, this is the hope that we offer to the, the, the world that is subjected to futility and the bondage of decay. Listen to the same text, what it says. Listen to some of these words. Glory. The revealing of the sons of God. It will be set free from the bondage of decay to the glory of the children of God. We are the first fruits of the Spirit. We will see the redemption of our bodies. And then listen to verse 24. For... In this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That's the the redemption of our bodies, friends. The making right of everything that is wrong. Which ultimately will culminate in death. That will be made right. Because of Jesus' resurrection and through our resurrection. And even in the most graphic, horrible pit of despair that you could imagine in Job's life. Job finds hope in that. He sees and recognizes that there is hope. So friends, we need to take this message to the world. And friends, this message is for every one of us. Romans 8 is honest about how we all do groan inwardly. And we're looking forward to that day of redemption. But friends, the good news is that even though we are sinners living in a world subjected to futility, in the bondage of decay... Jesus came and died on the cross and he was raised from the dead so that we could have life and have eternal life. And friends, that's the good news that though we're sinners and you're in bondage to decay and you will die as the world continues as it, as it has, death is coming, Jesus died so that you could have eternal life and be set free. In fact, one of the, one of the nuances this word of redeem, this word redeem or redeemer takes on in the New Testament is being set free from slavery. That we're enslaved to sin. You understand, sin is not merely a choice that you make. It's a a matter of enslavement. It's what we are by nature. But through Jesus and his work, God sets people free from that bondage. And it's through trusting Jesus. And that's why we call you to trust him. To turn from your sin... And to trust Jesus. Call upon the name of the Lord. He is merciful. He'll forgive. He'll bring you into his people. He'll make you one of us. And and then you you come into the church, which again is all of us being imperfect people, but we strive to help each other and live out the truth of the word of God and, and edify one another. 
And that is because of Jesus Christ. Friends, the Bible, the amazing thing about the book, one of the amazing things about this book is it is so honest about the realities of life, like you see in the book of Job. And not only is it so honest and real about the realities of life that we all face and that everyone faces, but it offers the solution, the ultimate solution to the most dire, real problems, first and foremost, sin and its consequences. And that solution is Jesus Christ because of his resurrection. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the hope that your word gives us. That hope that we see, Lord, even in Job, in his pit of despair and darkness, he knows a Redeemer lives. And we know that living Redeemer to be none other than Jesus our Lord, exalted high, who upholds all things by the word of his power. God, I pray you'd fill Christians and fill us with hope today. Lord, for, for those who aren't following you, I pray they would today turn from their sins and trust Jesus and live for him. I pray our church would be loving and accepting and helpful and edifying. Lord, that many would believe and turn from darkness to light, turn from death to life, turn from this bondage of decay that will end in their death and condemnation to freedom of the sons of God, to the redemption of the body. Lord, we just pray people would turn to Christ. And for us Christians, Lord, that even though we are experiencing various trials, we would have hope that our Redeemer lives and that at the last, we will see God in our flesh. And Lord, we'd walk away with that hope in Christ and be strengthened to share it with others and be thankful to you now because of it as we sing together. In Jesus' name, amen.